today it's Alex Burns turn we sit down and talk about life as a fantasy basketball analyst let's go balls deep Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Adam King, your host at AdamKing91 on Twitter is where you can find me. FBIBasketball.com is our website. Uh, jump over there. You can head into our Discord server. Still still rolling along. Very busy over there with all of the Dynasty content that Matt Lawson's got uh, coming out at the moment. He launched his... well. By the time this comes out, he will have launched his show a couple of months ago, probably, and, and hopefully he's running weekly episodes. Uh, today, we're just continuing on uh, talking with analysts um, during the off-season about what life is like uh, writing for fantasy basketball. Today, it is Alex Burns. Alex, how are you? Good, sir. Adam, man, I'm doing well. And uh, that intro just pumped me up. I know we don't have any, like real-time fantasy hoops to talk about, but, man, I'm I'm feeling the itch right now. Happy to be here. Yeah, we, we don't. I mean, we've got a, a little bit of playoff stuff going on. Uh, by the time, as I said, this this comes out, it probably will be – so what are we in? It's, so we're recording this end of April, so it's probably going to be – the finals may have even finished. And, and going by your – well, I know sort of who you write for and, and going by your Twitter profile, you'll be hoping that Miami are in the finals. <laughs> They are in the semifinals somehow. Um, so before we get into the away from fantasy basketball, just your thoughts on the Miami series and, and how they upset the Bucks and and what you think they can do against the, the Knicks now moving forward. Man, playoff Jimmy. That's that's all I gotta say. He's he's spectacular. Um, just an awesome series. He's probably the greatest playoff basketball player that we've seen in a while. Um, I'm not going to say all time, but uh, just the way he can completely shift his game from kind of just relaxes in the regular season, takes some nights off and then playoffs, he turns into prime Michael Jordan. It's, it's pretty spectacular, but I don't know. I mean, you know, people want to make excuses. Giannis was out for, I think it was two games and then he played like 11 minutes of game one, but I don't know. I mean, no excuses. Miami won. We get the Knicks. Sunday, which is, uh, you know, tomorrow at the time we're recording this. So game one will be good. I, I don't know. I mean, not really finals expectations, but I mean, I don't think anybody would be really shocked if Miami kind of made another run. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think anyone predicted them to even come out of the first round. So who knows? No. Um, the Knicks, I mean, they beat the Cavs pretty comfortably, but I, I don't think they played that well like I think Julius Randall's injured um it was really just Jalen Brunson and a few guys stepping up so I mean a lot of pressure on Jimmy Butler he's going to have to continue to play really well without Tyler Hero there especially um and yeah I mean I can imagine as a Miami fan oh yeah obviously Jimmy he was spectacular he, he's special in the playoffs would have been good if he could have just got them to like the sixth seed or something in the so you didn't have to go through the play-in tournament and all of that stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, the Bucks were obviously a good matchup, so maybe he knew something that we didn't know. 
Yeah, I mean the Knicks, the Knicks are good too. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, it's been a little bit more than 20 years since the Heat Knicks, you know, their playoff dog fights of the 90s and it mm. kind of has the opportunity to get renewed here. And I mean, if you look at the the Cavs Knicks series, I kind of went back and watched some of the games. It's off topic, but I can't believe how long the Cavaliers let Darius Garland play like one-on-one against Jalen Brunson. It was like in in the first couple of games, he just could not hang. And it took him, I don't know when they made the adjustment, but I know they put Okoro on him, Isaac Okoro, kind of towards the end. But, but geez, it was such a long wait to, to, to make a change there. And it really just, just hurt. The Knicks are good. I'm, you know, hey, like I don't – Say they're they're big rivals for Miami currently, but uh, they're not like the Knicks that missed the playoffs seventeen times over the last twenty or so years, you know. No, and I, and I do think that if if nothing else, the 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 playoffs so far have highlighted, I think the the importance of having a good coach um, because I think yes. like Spo is widely regarded as arguably the best coach, if not one of the top sort of three or five coaches in the league. And I think we saw that with with how the, the that series played out. But it really highlighted uh, Mike Budenholzer and his inability to adjust rotations on the fly. I mean, the easy one, like Jimmy Butler just didn't seem to get double teamed a lot. Why weren't they playing Jay Crowder on him? I thought that's why they got Jay Crowder. Um, similarly with the Cavs, um, and, and the Knicks, I mean, Thibodeau, he, he makes some weird decisions during the season with his rotations and his minutes. But as you said, yeah, that, like Bickerstaff just didn't seem to be able to adjust. Um, I don't know. It just I, I just think we often think that coaching in the NBA isn't super important because you've just got a bunch of talented guys and it's about player management and managing egos and that sort of thing. But I think we saw in this, in the couple of these series, the importance of having a coach that, that is actually a good coach. Um, so th- that was off topic. The The purpose of this uh, is to talk about um, being an analyst and, and how we get to where we are and what we like to do away from the court. So uh, we chatted just before coming on air. So Roto Baller is your your main sort of site, the, the, the company that you work for, and then you do some rankings uh, for fantasy pros as well. In terms of jobs, it is and, and people have had a mixed response to this. Some are, some aren't. Is fantasy basketball writing your job, full-time job, this is what you do? Or is it a hobby that's just, like for me, that has gone simply too far and takes up too much of your time, but you do actually have another job that you have to go to? Yeah, no, this is this is not my full-time job. Um, this is a hobby that has completely gotten out of control. You can ask my boss. You can ask my wife. Um, it's it's addicting. Um, but no, it's not my full-time job. It, you know, got into it uh, probably around the, the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. I've, I've listened to a couple of the episodes that's dropped, and some people have had similar timeframes there. Um, but started out for fun. I always played fantasy hoops. Always played fantasy football. Um, got to start, you know, doing some, some daily fantasy articles with fantasy pros a couple of years ago. And just one thing led to the other. And it's, it's a hobby. I mean, I do get paid a little per content that I produce, but it's definitely not a full-time job. No. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, some are lucky enough to have it as a a full-time job, but there's not, there's not many of us that do. Um, So when you're not 
watching a screen and watching basketball and writing basketball, what is it that you do for work? Yeah, I, I sell houses. Um, I'm a realtor. So I've done that for uh, since I want to say 2019. Um, I love it. It's fun. Um, I, it gives me the flexibility to, to work on some stuff on the side that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. like fantasy hoops and, you know, just following sports. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty boring, um, but, but that's what I do. I sell houses. Yeah. Okay. No, you're the, you're the first realtor I've had on the show. Um, a lot go. of guys do have some interesting, uh, interesting work away from, from fantasy basketball. Um, now I know you have, well, I mean, you've just said you, you have a wife who, um, how supportive is she when it comes to your fantasy basketball uh, passion? My, I mean, words really can't describe how passionate she or just understanding is the right word that she's been. Um, she comes from a family. They're not really big into sports. My wife's not really into sports. She, you know, watches basketball vicariously through me. She loves Jimmy Butler um, you know, she'll watch heat games and stuff, but you know, she doesn't understand the passion that we have to write about fantasy basketball and look at lineup changes and, and analyze stuff. Um, but she's been so supportive. I mean, she, you know, I'm here right now, I'm at my office recording this and she's got our two kids at home and she's, you know, cooking dinner. She's just so supportive. Yeah, I can, uh, relate to that. My wife is also, <laughs> supportive for some reason i don't know why she is but she is given that that her yeah look her interest in sport is zero um her family has zero interest in sport yeah. my family is 100 percent sport so we're we're very different um in that respect but she allows me to do this um and allow look and even allows me to do the job that i do which my full-time job which i love doing but in the in the sector that I work in, the pay is not as good as what it could be working for the government, that sort of thing, which she does. Um, so she allows me to to do things that I'm passionate about, um, which, yeah, I'm, I count myself really lucky. Uh, so wife, um, two kids you have. So how old are they? Are they still sort of little and running around a bit out of control? Oh yeah. That's, that's an understatement. Uh, my son is, he just turned three on March 31st and then it's actually good timing. My wife and I just, just delivered our, our first daughter, um, last month. So I think it was March 16th, um, brought her into the world and just been a whirlwind, um, of an experience for us. It's been so fun. I, I, a lot of people said like, you have a three-year-old toddler, you know, newborn, it's going to be interesting. We couldn't feel more blessed. I mean, it's just been such a good fit. And, uh, you know, we're just really happy with our family. So, yeah, look, that it is, uh, it's, it's, uh, that time, I mean, my kids now, their birthdays are coming up and they're almost 13 and 16. So I'm sort of quite a bit ahead of where, where you are in terms of, of kids and family. And, but we look back, like, I mean, we look back at photos and we look back at videos from when the kids were that young and it, it is, yeah. I mean, if any any advice I would give to any any parents is is really just live in the moment and enjoy it, and because it mm-hmm. it moves by so fast. And and now, like, my daughter's got a job; she can get her license soon. Um, she's got questions about boys and <laughs> life and high school, and so it yeah. it, uh, it does shift very quick. But um, yeah, you are going to be in for a busy 
busy few years, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and glad with, look, I mean, simply the fact that she's allowing you to come on here when you've got a, a one month old. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's 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 crazy. I mean, it's it's super supportive, and it's it just feel blessed. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So second second question, I guess. So we've got your fantasy. We've got your your job, and and obviously family would take up a sizable chunk of whatever free time you do have. But other than sports, family, and and work, what is it that you enjoy doing? Um. I like because I love I love movies and I love TV shows. So. I like talking to anyone that also likes movies, but I understand that not everyone does like movies. So what is it that you sort of try to do, whether it's with your wife or by yourself or or with friends uh, when you do have some free time? Sure. Uh, So like you, you alluded to it, family, um, just really big into family time, whether it's going to taking a little weekend trip to, you know, going, going somewhere, staying for a couple of days, quick trips, nothing, nothing major. Uh, or just going out to eat. Like we're really simple. We're creatures of habit. You know, we know we're not like, we don't travel a ton out of the state or out of the country, but you know, just, just little things that we can do around town. Um, My wife and I both love food. And when I say that, I mean like just different cultures and cuisines. And so going to different restaurants and that's just a big hobby of ours. We try and have at least one date night a week. I know with our our life now, it's, it's pretty, pretty complicated (laughs) to get some time away, but um uh, we, we're just pretty simple people. We don't, we don't do things, uh, you know, too crazy, kind of boring. Oh, look, boring is good. And, and I think boring is, as you said, when you do have a young family, you need to, to be a little bit boring because you need to be there for the kids, but also important to, to find time to spend without the kids. Like you, you, you do need to have that break. And that's my, that's my work <laughs> hat going on there where I have to talk to families <laughs> about mental health and, um, looking after themselves, that sort of thing. So we, mm-hmm. we won't go down that path too much. Um, and so you're you're obviously a Miami fan. So do you still you live in in that area? So I live about, and the easiest way to say this, we'll just kind of use West Palm Beach as the main location. But I live about say an hour and a half north of Miami. So okay, most people listening to this might not be familiar with with Stewart, Florida, which is the specific town that I live in, but. Uh, West Palm Beach is is close enough. That's the major city that that's nearby. So, um, not too far of a trip if you want to go to a Heat game. It's you know from where I live, it's probably like an hour and a half, and that includes the Miami traffic, which a lot of people don't understand. It is brutal around the start of the game time. That's why the arena looks empty and everybody clowns the Miami Heat. It is it is rough around seven o'clock or you know people get yeah. off work. But yeah, so I'd say about an hour and a half uh, north of Miami. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I, I, I can, I don't know where a lot of places are in America, but I can, I roughly, I know where the States yeah. are. So I, I roughly know where Miami is. Um, and yeah, so I know, I know some of the areas that you said, and, but that's from movies and <laughs> that sort of thing. So, um, that's our exposure to America here. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've, you've said Miami, you, you've obviously supported, I mean, your Twitter um, profile says insufferable heat lifer. So you've obviously been a heat fan since you were small. Any favourite memories? I guess um, th- there have been a few titles there. Obviously the LeBron era when he was there. Uh, the, the the title they won with Shaq and, and with Dwayne Wade. Um, for me, I, I that one sticks out. Like I'm not a, a heat fan per se, but 
that that title that they won back then was I, I like I just think the LeBron ones were sort of oh, yeah pretty expected we're we're, mm-hmm. we're good we're probably going to win here any moments that sort of stand out for you as um, memorable a bunch um, when I say insufferable I mean that literally I'm a diehard Miami Heat fan um, one moment I would say is to reference the 2006 finals versus the Mavericks um, I was 12 years old at the time really probably three years into really following them closely and just, you know, knowing the players and and all that stuff. And I'll never forget my dad surprised me with tickets to game four. And so Miami, if you're not familiar, we're down 0-2, one game three because of Dwayne Wade's heroics. And then game four was a big swing game. We could have tied tied the series up. Um, We had nosebleed seats. I remember we could like touch the back wall of the arena. It was way, way up there. Uh, but it was my first NBA game I ever went to. And my dad worked hard. He bought tickets. Um, and it's just a memory that, you know, he and I went down there and I'll never forget, you know, uh, being in the arena, Dirk Nowitzki, the, the crowd was so ruthless to him. And I remember in a previous interview or something leading up to the game, he said he likes to listen to David Hasselhoff or something as a artist. Yeah. Yeah. And every time he shot free throws, the whole crowd would just David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and it was just as a 12 year old, it was just funny. And I've never been in an yeah. environment like that. And that would probably be the moment that sticks out for me above the rest. Yeah. Wow. I can't, I, I've never even been to an NBA game, so it's hard to yeah. imagine yeah, an NBA game, but even, even more so a game of that magnitude, um, which as you said, that was a swing game um, in that mm-hmm. series. And, the Heat really got the momentum. Um, it, I don't remember it super well, um, but because uh, for, for me, basketball was, I mean, I grew up playing basketball. So from the time I was six or seven, um, followed the NBA as much as I could, but it was very limited here in Australia. Uh, our, our access to the NBA was really one game a week and it was usually on at midnight, 11 o'clock at night. It was just a replay of a game and, um, so there was a lot of reading newspapers and reading box scores and, and articles. And there was a magazine, can't remember what the magazine was called now, but there was a magazine we used to buy, came out every week, I think, but it would be about two days late here in Australia because we'd get everything a bit delayed. So um, followed the NBA as much as we could. Michael Jordan was the person that we all loved um, sort of in the, through the nineties, Dennis Rodman was my favorite player. Um, oh, wow. From that's why my profile is Adam King 91 for, for Rodman. Um, my license plate on my car has 91 on it. Um, I have a Rodman tattoo. Um, I'm pretty passionate about a <laughs> oh, lot <whoa>. of um, <laughs> sports things. So my, uh, this again, this is going a bit off topic, but I used to really love <laughs> love wrestling as well. So the the WWF and then WWE. Um, so both um, my son is named Hunter after Triple H. Um, my I've I've got multiple Triple H tattoos. Um, both of my kids' middle names are they're named after football players here in Australia. So I get being passionate about about teams um but yeah for the nba around 2006 that's actually when i came back into the nba so because around 2000 i was 21 and i was more interested in 
partying and going out yeah. and girls and all that sort of thing. Living it up. Once, so 2006, I was 20, what, 27. So I had well, my wife now. We were, we were together and settled down and so started to get back into the NBA. And so that that final series, as I said, that's why it sticks out for me, I think, because that's when I sort of started getting back into the NBA a lot. Um, and... Yeah, and, and I just I didn't expect the Heat to win, I guess, because Dwayne oh, no. Wade was very young still. Uh, it wasn't was it his rookie season or his second season? He was drafted in two thousand and three, so I think it was his okay, third so was season. A few seasons, okay. yeah, yeah. Which is um, interesting to think about. I mean, I know that was before Twitter, NBA Twitter, and social media was yeah. really a thing. I mean, imagine a player. Third season in the NBA, you know, leading a team from an 0-2 deficit in the finals to to winning a championship and getting Finals MVP. That would be, I mean, how would NBA Twitter react if that happened now? You know, yeah, that's it. Just doesn't happen now. No. <laughs> um, we didn't really have the super team back then. It was, um, and I, th- well, we're sort of moving away from that a little bit. But um, yeah, what. What he did at that age. I mean, he had Shaq there, obviously, but that wasn't peak Shaq. I don't think like mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't when he was in his prime. Um, he had a lot of good support players, a lot of a good, really good cast mm-hmm. uh, around him. But but yeah, it was just a an amazing performance by him. Um, so other basketball is obviously a big passion for you. Is it something that you played growing up, or it was just um, through watching it played um that was the first the first step and then then the you know the, the basketball addiction moved into watching it but but playing was the first the first step for sure yep uh and did, so and you played so through school I, I i'm assuming um any great heights in your basketball career would we find alex burns basketball if we if we google that are we going to find some stats or some records you could, you could. I so I played um, for a pretty good high school. Uh, my freshman through junior season, um, we were number seven in the state of Florida. We went to nationals. I actually have a lot of funny stories about that. Like played against Quinn Cook. We played against Austin Rivers. Um, you can Google a lot of stuff about because in 2012, 2013, 2011, a lot of those guys, Austin Rivers, Quinn Cook, they, they were at their the prime of their high school careers where they were number one player in the country, getting all the yeah. ball is life mixtapes, all that stuff. Um, and I, and I can't make myself sound cool. I was, I, I rode the bench. Um, my team was, was stacked. Um, I actually played with Jacoby Brissett. He's now, I think he's the backup quarterback for, I could be butchering this, but last I checked, it was like the, the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Um, so he was, he was somebody that was on my team. He was a senior when I was a freshman and he was getting recruited by all kinds of schools and, and stuff like that. But uh, and then I transferred to another school my senior year. I, I started. I played a lot. You could probably find my stats somewhere on the internet um, if you if you googled hard enough. But uh, yeah, I played all throughout high school. Uh, and if if you had to summarize your game, I guess are you were you a, a scorer, defender, uh, played inside, played on the perimeter. That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. I've never actually thought about it. Um, <laughs> So I was a guard. So I'm only six foot, six one, maybe somewhere in between there. Um, so I wasn't a big man. I I could dribble and I could shoot. Um, 
you know, I, when I was a freshman, I weighed like 150 pounds. I wasn't taking anybody to the rack or doing anything special, but yeah. uh, I would say shooting is probably my, my special skill if I had to pick okay. one. Yeah, well, yeah. good good skill to have in basketball. Like Duncan and, and Robinson. I mean, yeah, well, God, we could have a chat about him, <laughs> couldn't we? Um, which we might. What? So he's uh, he gets roasted a little bit, or the, the Heat get roasted a little bit for the contract that they paid him. And then this year he was basically out of the rotation for significant portions of the season, but he's had to come back in during the playoffs with Tyler Hero out. I think he's done a pretty good job. He, he's done what? They need him to do. He's, he's spread the floor. He's hit some threes. Um, what he like? I, he he he's sort of a perfect example of the being in the right place at the right time. So he he's because I watched him at summer league um, in 2019, and we. We thought he was it was his second year, I think. I think he had done a year and then he, he, he was one of those players that played in the summer league in, in his second year as well. And Tyler Hero was there as well, um, on that Miami team. And we saw Duncan Robinson, we thought, Oh, he's a good shooter, but he's not really gonna amount to much. And then I think just over the next two years, the importance with, with Steph Curry and the the importance on stretching the floor and five out and it just it snowballed and snowballed, and Duncan Robinson was someone that teams hadn't scouted for too much, I think, and mm-hmm. and he was able to to get open and and do what he needed to do, and then the Heat paid him a lot of money to do that, and now he's not in the rotation. I um, until obviously being forced into the rotation. What are your thoughts, I guess, on where the NBA is headed in that regard? Like I, we saw that two three year period, as I said, where Steph Curry was. I mean, he still dominates, but his three-pointers that he was taking were ridiculous. But now we've got all these players taking shots like that. And for me growing up, that was – if you put up a shot like that, you were pulled off the court. That, oh, yeah. That just didn't fly. And and I think it is starting to settle down a little bit now. But what what are your thoughts on, like, someone like Duncan Robinson? Do you think he has a, a future, like, thinking ahead maybe three years if we continue – regressing a little bit in terms of the need for perimeter scorers. Do you think he has a future? Yeah, I think he has a future. I think he's what made him a really good shooter. In my opinion is he could shoot on the run. And so it wasn't like you just put him in the corner. I mean, the heat were running designated handoffs with him and bam, and it was motion. And and it just kind of like what made Curry and the Warriors so good is there was just so much movement and Mm. defenses just get overwhelmed. Um, So I, I think there's a future, but I think, man, with him, if he's not making and taking threes consistently, he's a liability defensively. You know, he can't, he doesn't have the footwork to stay in front of faster defenders. You know, teams hunt him on pick and rolls if he's in the game. So if he's not hitting threes or playing with confidence on offense, I mean, he's really a liability. So I think with, with him, I really think it just goes with, with confidence and being able to take and make shots. I mean, if he can do that, I think he'll, he'll stick around because he he is one of the most elite shooters in the game. Mm. Um, I still think he is. I, I really think with him, it's more of a confidence thing. And and you could just see like once he started, I think it was 2021. It was the season after we paid him after 2020. He just, you could tell he was so, he just like overthought about everything. Nothing yeah. flowed. It, it, there was no fluidity to his shot. It was just totally lack of confidence. And it, he started that podcast too, which is probably what, what got his mind off of, <laughs> off of focusing. Yeah. But 
Um, I, to, to answer your question, I do think I agree with you. I think the NBA is starting to slow down a little bit from just Steph Curry pulling up from just inside the half half court line. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you can if you can defend uh, like like average in the NBA, I think you have a future. But teams now on scouting reports, I mean, if you watch a basketball game, all it is now is adjustments. It's it's crazy like James Harden, LeBron James, you know, players like that just hunting for mismatches on defense. So if you can't hold your own, it's going to be tough to stick. Yeah, look, and I'll use that to transition to the final topic, which I I think I sent, did I send you a copy of the questions? Did you know this question was coming? So (laughs) the last question is a little bit about where the game is headed, but specifically around one player, Victor Wembanyama. So looking Looking ahead, we're obviously if, well. By the time this comes out, we might we we sh- we'll know where he's been drafted. But at at this point, we don't. We know he will go number one. I think I think we can agree on on that. Everyone yeah. can agree on that. So, looking ahead <laughs> to next season uh, from a fantasy perspective, a, t- a two part question: Where do you think where would you be comfortable drafting him based on what we know now, and knowing what we know about fantasy and hype and how analysts can impact ADPs, that sort of thing, where do you think his ADP will be uh, in relation to where you would be comfortable drafting him? Do they line up? Because for most people, they don't. No, you know, and I think, I think every year, I think, especially at this time, people put out early rankings, you know, I'm working on that myself. And I think we, we overanalyze stuff mainly probably because we're bored and we really just need fantasy hoops. And so we're trying to find something to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm like glass half empty on him as it, when it comes to fantasy. Like I think he is the most talented prospect we've seen. I, I mean, I don't know where you think, but I know LeBron was 2003. He's probably the most talented fantasy prospects, even more than LeBron. Um <sighs> I really don't know at this point where I would draft him. I'm torn on it just because, you know, I don't want to compare him to Chet, but that body style and, and I just, it's going to be hard for me to watch him compete against guys like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and just to see if he can hold his own. And I'm probably a little bit too negative than the consensus by thinking like that. But I mean, if he can put together threes blocks and, you know, rebounds and, and you know, the, the stocks that we, you know, talk about often, I mean, he's going to be a, at least a second round value. I mean, I think that's his floor in the year when we saw what Walker Kessler did to close out last season with blocks and you know rebounds and points. So I would say floor is probably like late second round, but I, I would draft him end of the first round right now. Yep. Yeah, look, it's I've had – everyone's got their own opinion on Wimanyama, obviously. Um, mo, I would say if I had to – if I'd actually written down what people were telling me, which I haven't, the consensus for where people would like to get him is around pick 30. So sort of mid third round would be mm-hmm. ideal, but pretty much every analyst agrees that that is not going to happen. There's no way no. he falls that far. No. Um, ADP, I think will start probably second round, like late mid second round. And I think by the time we hit peak draft season in early mid October, his ADP will be up right around that, that the turn, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. 
if you want him on your roster for fantasy basketball, I mean, you're going to have to reach. That's just the, the easiest way to put it. I mean, he, we haven't seen a player hyped like this since, again, like since before LeBron coming out of high school. So, I mean, you're going to have to reach for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot's going to come down to his his blocks. As you said, that's one of his key uh, elements, I think, initially out of the gate because the scoring might be a little bit up and down. He's, he's going to be up against these, as you said, big bodies, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. I do think wherever he goes, he will probably pay, play power forward. They'll, they, Whoever drafts him will try to keep him out of the paint and, and so he doesn't have to bang up against these big bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, if, if they are playing him at the four, does that impact his, his shot blocking a little bit? Maybe if they're, they're playing him away from the basket, I don't know. But he, he does have, I mean, we've seen from his highlights, he does have the ability to defend the wing and and block shots from some really, really weird positions uh, <laughs> just with his length. Uh, so I've got him, I just opened up my rankings. So I've got him at 35 in my early rankings. Um, I feel like I'll bring him in, but I've got him sort of mm-hmm. around the area with Evan Mobley, Walker Kessler, Nick Claxton, Miles Turner. So there's sort of a big run um, from, from what I've, got in my rankings already there's quite a big run there from sort of the middle of the third round to the end of the third round um bam Adebayo is sort of in that group as well where people who missed out on a center early will will go for a center and i think the importance on blocks we saw it this year there weren't many players you would consider a shot blocker um and part of that i think is the fact that the game has moved away from the basket a lot so Mm-hmm. Big guys like Rudy Gobert, their their value is, has gone down a bit because they don't have the ability to defend out on the wing. Um, so I think there will be an importance on on blocks through that range there. Um, but we'll see. And, and, and I mean, looking at... I, if you remember back to this draft season, the one we just had, um, there was... For me, I think the ideal spot to draft in, in your league in a standard 12-team 12, 12 league was towards the sort of back end of the first round. If you didn't get the first pick or maybe the second pick, anywhere from about pick eight or nine um, was a really good spot. And looking ahead to next season, I actually think that's going to be even more so. Like I think from – and I'm opening up again – after about pick eight again – I've got guys like Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LaMelo Ball, Porzingis, Jaron Jackson, Donovan Mitchell, Kai, Kai, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns. All these guys can be first rounders, but you might be able to get one of them as low as pick 19. So I think. Brilliant. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned you've got some ranks or you're working on some working ranks. On them. Uh, any, any <laughs> sort of teaser any idea on when they will be available because i like reading ranks yeah absolutely um so i'm actually working on them this week and I've, I've kind of been tweaking them and stuff i have a platform through fantasy pros that i kind of go on and it's online and i'll, I'll release them i'll send them to you to to look over before i do um but i, I can give you a, a a teaser that i'm probably going to rank shea gilgis alexander pretty high this year so <laughs> after yeah. being able to steal him in every draft last season that was glorious yeah i think i've so uh, i spoke with alex reclean um 
uh, well, a week ago in real time, but I don't know when in terms of when these shows are released. He has also got some rankings out as well. And our our rankings were, were eerily similar, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's <laughs> probably a good thing. It, it means we're thinking the same thing. But yeah. we also have Shay quite high. Um, I will. I have him at four. Um, so I, I don't know where you've got him, but I've also got uh, Tyrese Halliburton at five. So I've got um, those sort of young guys there. So we'll wait to see what where you have him. Um, by the time this is released, you'll you'll probably have those rankings out. They'll be out. Um, and, and I mean, much like me, I, I'm assuming you just you revisit them every week or two and make any tweaks or adjustments based on well. Once the draft happens, we'll we'll have to make mm-hmm. some adjustments. Um, yep. in, for Wembenyama, final question, and then I'll let you get back to <laughs> back to the kids and back to the wife. Where have you got a preference in terms of where you would like to see him go uh, in the draft? No, not not really. I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to see him. Uh, I don't know what the odds are off the top of my head with like the lottery and, and stuff like that. I mean you know, Houston could be a pretty interesting landing spot for him. Um, you know, being able to play with a really good passer and Alperin Sangoon, you know, I don't know what that would do to Jabari Smith stretching the floor, you know, how they could, could play and coexist. Um, that, that I think would be a really fun team for him to go to just, you know, Nick nurse, new coach, or is it, is it Emi Udoka? Uh, for Houston, it's. I drew a blank. Uh, it's one of those two. I just I drew a blank on it. But either way, either way, new coach, you know, new system. I think it'll be beneficial for the entire team of young guys that are that are you know have shown a lot of promise. So, Doka, okay, gotcha. So I mean, great coach. You know, obviously someone who has has good pedigree. Um, you know, so I think if he goes there, I think he's in a good spot. You know, and, and again, the point being. Sangoon and his ability to pass the basketball and create for others and play make. I mean, there's not a lot of players that can do that at the center spot. So, um, but also to your point about Wembenyama, it's so true. You know, if they play him at the four, it might take him out from the pain. It might impact rebounds or blocks a little bit. We've seen that with Anthony Davis when he, for whatever reason, like refused to play center over the last couple of years for the Lakers and like insisted on playing the four. So, um, you know, it's something to keep in mind, but I, I would probably say the Rockets. Um, yeah. I would love to see him go. I think they'd be fun. Yeah, and the Rockets have uh, – yeah, and I only know this because I've been listening to Josh's podcast and Matt's got his dynasty stuff. So the Rockets, Pistons, and Spurs all have, I think, a 14% chance mm-hmm. um, of landing him. And then I think the next is the Hornets, who have like a 12 or 12% or something. I'd love to see him on the Hornets. Um, okay. I think I think him and Lamelo, um, they've got Mark um, Mark Williams as their center. Um, of, like I just think in terms of their build, they've got uh, well, they're probably going to have Miles Bridges back, um, mm-hmm. whether you agree with with that or not. Um, just the it, truth. It, yeah. it is what it is. Um, he's a talented player. We know that. So indiscretions aside, I mean, I don't think any of us condone what he did, absolutely, and if he was out no, of the league, I wouldn't absolutely have an not. issue with that at all, but <laughs> absolutely not. We, we, have to, we have to deal with what's in front of us, and, and that is that he will miss the first 10 games, I think, and then he'll be available, and and having him, um, Terry Rozier, Lamelo, PJ Washington, I still think has a little bit to offer. Kelly Oubre, I don't know if he'll be there, but 
Um, I just think that could be very interesting. But yeah, as you said, I, I don't really mind. Um, I think these teams that we were a bit worried about, like Detroit and Houston, with in terms of their oh, if he goes to Detroit or if he goes to Houston, how is he going to be used? Because Stephen Silas or Dwayne Casey have no idea how to coach. That, <laughs> that's not an issue now because they're both gone. So it's, as you said, Udoka will utilise him the right way, hopefully, and and he will, he will play. And I think he'll be a little bit like Anthony Davis in that he will probably play the four for five years, six years, whatever it is, and eventually he'll transition to being a centre, I think, just mm-hmm. purely because of his size. And and he's they've already come out and said, we don't want him bulking up, which I think is the right move because we saw with someone like Yao Ming, as he got further into his career and got bigger and stronger, his joints, um, he, they, his body almost failed him. And so I think they they want to ensure that Wembenyama has a long career and not a not a seven-year career that's really good, but a bit stop-start, and then he has to leave early because of ongoing knee concerns, that sort of thing. So, Yeah, and I would say like two things, you know, really quick on that. Uh, one thing I think we can both agree on is that I, I don't want him to go to the Pistons. I know that Dwayne Casey is no longer there, but I don't think we can afford mentally to have another big man in that mess. I mean, mm-hmm. James Wiseman in the situation now, I mean, it, it, we – we all know if you follow the fantasy basketball world and, and a lot of the analysts that the Pistons have had a log jam at the five and, you know, big Ben spot, but that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is, and this is just a thought, I'm not comparing both players they are obviously completely different um, like talent wise, I would say, but I wish we got a chance to see Chet play this year because I think that would give us a little insight to how, the NBA would react to a, a player of Wembenyama's skill set, frame, caliber, somebody who's really thin but tall and lanky and can shoot the ball and stretch the floor. So I think if we had a little, you know, inkling of what Chet Holmgren was like in the regular season, not just the, the preseason, playing against guys that are bigger than him, that are, you know, more experienced, I would like to see what that would look like with that build and frame. And that can yeah. probably give us a better way to kind of picture how Wimbenyama will will you know be in the NBA. But it's just my thought. Oh no, I agree. I think I think a lot of people compare Chet to Wimbenyama just purely because of their build and their skill set. Mm-hmm. And and you could you could almost I mean Chet's a, a well as we haven't seen him because of that injury. We saw a, a glimpse in preseason, um, and he what we good. saw what we saw was good. Um, so. The Thunder will obviously want to get him out there in preseason this year. Um, Wembenyama, it'll be interesting to see how Wembenyama is is utilised at summer league. Whether they, because I mean, you would know summer league. Uh, having been, I've only been to one summer league, but when I when I do eventually get back there, my my friend and I who will go, we've already made it pretty clear. Hey, we're just going to go to the first week. And then we're not going to bother because come after the first two or three games, all the teams rest their guys. They don't play their main guys. So we might only see Wembenyama for one or two games at Summer League and, and Chet mm-hmm. um, likewise. But I think a lot of people, yeah, do they do consider Chet almost a Wembenyama light kind of thing, sort of Maybe. a slightly watered down version. Um, he isn't seven foot 
five, which I think Wembenyama's reported to be now, which is just mind blowing um, that, he, that he's doing <laughs> crazy. what he's doing. I don't know whether you saw that the putback that he had off his own three pointer. It was nuts. <laughs> That's I can't even comprehend that. That was otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we, why he's being called the alien because he's doing things that we haven't seen before. So otherworldly, um, it is going to be exciting. So I, look, I will let you go. We've we've gone over time here. Um, you've got your rankings coming out uh, as as you mentioned. Anything else planned during the off season um, in the lead up to to the drafts? Yeah, just you know, content through Rotoballer. Um, you know, thinking about doing some some season reviews, just some some interesting things and trends as we ended the year. I know you don't like to take a lot from the last couple of weeks of the season with lineups and rotations. It's it's usually just a moot point for you know next season's uh, look ahead. But just taking a look at some trends that you know how players fit in on new teams. So so content through Rotoballer, um, and also as we have free agency. You know, I don't know what free agency will look like with with some of the big names that are on the market uh, this summer. But you know, one thing we did last year and we'll continue to do is put out you know some pieces just going over the fantasy impact of any transactions or trades that that pop up. So I would just say content on Rotoballer and then uh, you know rankings released and active on Twitter, giving giving advice as we get closer to the season and, and all that stuff. Yep. Look, I think more and more of us are. We enjoy this time off, but it is important to just keep your your foot in the door and keep some stuff coming out mm-hmm. um, because more and more of those casual fans are, are hanging around during the, the off-season. So, uh, so that will do it for today's show. Remember, you can check out all of our content at fbibasketball.com. Uh, head over to the Discord server. Or that's always flowing nicely. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Love it if you could give us a thumbs up as we build our subscriber base. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.